Welcome to the Brown County Hour. Coming to you from the legendary hills of Brown. Where the plum purple haze, the one nature herself drapes in the hills and hollers, inspires local characters, artists, and nature lovers. It's as though the hills themselves conspired to create a beauty and a culture in the heart of Indiana. Sit for a spell and hear the music, the tall tales, the true stories, and the current goings-on, brought to you by folks who still know how to sit by a fire in winter and swim buck-naked in the summer. Welcome to episode 12 of the Brown County Hour. After our brief hiatus, we decided to cover the Brown County Fair. What a summer without the local fair. We got lucky as two visitors from Britain, Sir Nigel Fanshawe Court and the Lady Prunella, perhaps escaping the Olympic Games, decided to vacation in America and stopped by Brown County. In addition to the county fair being in full swing, we had the first annual Indiana fingerstyle guitar competition at the Brown County Playhouse. Brown County locals, Colonel Horatio Ramsbottom and his lovely wife, Pearl Lee, decided to show them around the fair, where our local reporters covered various events. Hey, Prunella, Nigel, before we hit the midway, what did you think of the fingerstyle competition last Saturday? I have to say, I was especially impressed with the women guitar players. It's so wonderful to see them coming into competition. Absolutely splendid. Such a fine example of a female form. Well, we are here with Muriel Anderson. Uh, that's a culmination. Backstage, uh, putting things away. That's right. <laughs> the first annual Indiana fingerstyle competition. First one we've ever had here in Indiana. From my point of view, it was a resounding success. What do you think? Mine, too. Very resounding success. I, I really didn't expect the first annual Fingerstyle Guitar Festival to have big, excited audience and great interaction. And also uh, a lot of very good contestants. So it made it hard for the judges to to choose the, the winners because uh, there were a lot of good 20, players. 21 people um, yes. this amazing group. And then, of course, you and the other guys adding your bit to the evening festivities. It was just, it was just wonderful. You're no stranger to competitions. I really uh, you know, didn't like competitions and still don't like competitions, except the way it brings people together. And it's amazing how many friendships are made. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, you, wouldn't, you wouldn't think that, but a lot of friendships are made through music competitions, through guitar competitions. Yes, I had much the same feel as I had at the Winfield competition, and, and I entered that for a very specific reason. 88, when I first entered that, uh, because uh, I was starting to play out, play shows, and every time I'd get my picture in a paper, it would say singer-songwriter. And at that time, I didn't sing at all. Nobody could figure out that I played guitar at a higher level than just strumming, you know. So I had to have something that said what I did. So I thought that having a title, even if it was like third place national finger picking jam, that's always looking for something. Honorable mention. Honorable mention, yeah. Just something to solve that problem. To my surprise, that year I had so much fun and met so many great people. Uh, I just wanted to go back to hang out with my friends again. And so the competition was an excuse for my significant other so that I could go back to the festival. So I competed again the next year, mostly to hang out. And that's when I won in 89. And you were the first woman ever to uh, to win that competition. That's correct. And you, you were a protege of Chad Atkins. Mm-hmm. And how did that come about? I was taking mandolin lessons with Jethro Burns in Evanston, Illinois. 
and I played Nola, the tune I played tonight on the harp guitar, uh, although I played it on a regular guitar there. I played that for Jethro, and he said, oh, you've got, got to meet my brother-in-law. He recorded that. So Jethro Burns married identical twin sisters. And so it was Jethro who introduced me to Chad, and he became a big influence ever since. Yeah, I gleaned more with his approach to music and his openness to learning uh, from other players, from younger players, uh, doing things that were out of the box, trying, trying new things. He was always excited about that. And just his way of arranging, his way of economizing motion. Uh, I, I learned a lot of things. And, and when Chet played, it came out sounding like the same country gentleman that he was. Yeah. And so when I play, I want it to come out like me, who I am, but, and yes. so we're different people, and so the music comes out differently. It's hard to find your signature sound, but you know, if you just stick with it long enough, it seems like it just, it's almost like it finds you. It finds you, yeah. yeah. And, it, and you don't have to keep it the same. You can, uh, you know, experiment uh, with lots of different uh, approaches, a lot of different types of music. Um, but it's it's the, the feel of the phrasing that uh, becomes, that's where you walk in with, with the music. So you're on the road quite a bit, right? You're traveling like how many days a year are you out? Uh, it's been between 100 and 130 uh, for a long time, mm -hmm. years. And we're doing a lot more shows now with Tierra Negra. So it's it's great the way the New World Flamenco CD has been received. We've got a lot of great airplay and great reviews. And it's cool that people can hear in the music, in the CD, how much fun we're having. And so that's the thing. We didn't know if it would come across, but we hear it over and over again. People say that. Well, now is is, is uh, I mean, watching you play tonight and the, and the the command that you have. You obviously spent a lot of time on your instrument in practice. I mean, you just don't show up and phone it in. When you're on the road, what's what's a typical day for you like? I mean, there, beyond the travel and stuff, but in, in your personal life, you know, how do you structure practice and, and you know, organizing all that into that life on the road time? There is no typical day on the road. <laughs> it has never happened. You know, practice often happens on, on stage. The pieces develop on stage. And I've gotten more comfortable now with throwing some new things out on stage because knowing that they will develop and the audience will help them to develop. So feeling the energy from the audience gives me new ideas. So I'm a little uh, on the edge there. I like to step over that edge and allow that music to develop um, yeah, at its own pace. Any engagements there you'd like to tell us about? I'm playing in Southern Illinois and also in Kentucky with my favorite drummer of all time, uh, who played with the original Pat Matheny group, Danny Gottlieb. We're doing some shows in this area. I'm continuing on up to Illinois, or I'll fly to Ireland and uh, tour across Ireland and England, and then come home briefly for a few days and then go to Japan. Muriel Anderson, thank you very much for being with us here on uh, the Brown County Hour on WFHB. You can check out Muriel on her website, murielanderson.com. Hey, what say we go over by the animal cages there? I've heard that sometimes the elephant ears fall off of those creatures and they take them and they fry them up and is a fine culinary treat. 
Is that a fine American culinary treat? I said it's a culinary treat for something that the Southerners have learned long time ago. If you can fry a banana, you can cook anything. This is Vera Grubbs with the Brown County Hour and WFHB. I'm at the livestock barns of the 4-H Fair in Brown County, and we're talking with Tyra McCain. She has been a longtime member of 4-H along with her son, Devin. I've been on the 4-H Council and the Livestock Auction Committee, and I do the Livestock Auction for the last four years. That's a big job, I think. Yeah, it's a lot of work and a lot of dedication for the kids. Yeah. We've got a big group of great kids that really love animals and real caring kids that help the community. I've always been interested in what the 4-H should stand for. Can you help me out with that? Our 4-H motto is to make the best better. It's the goal of each member motto to give special motivation not to be content with the present but to always strive to make things better. Our 4-H colors are green represent life springtime and youth. White represents purity. Our 4-H slogan, learn by doing, and it's consistent incentive to motivate 4-H members to strive towards acquiring new skills and knowledge. The results can mean very productive and interesting lives. 4-H pledge, I pledge my head to clear thinking, my heart to greater loyalty, my hands to larger service, my health to better living, for my club, my community, my county, and my world. Thank you. For you, Tyra, what is the importance of the 4-H organization in your life? It's the most important. I'm all about helping the kids. I'm all about giving the kids good self-esteem when they work with their animals. A lot of kids learn a lot of responsibilities. They learn how where the food comes from. They learn commitment, working with others. They get to help out the community all the time. Because the biggest important thing in my life is giving back to the community. And the kids help do a lot of fundraisers for the nursing home and low-income families. They help get fertilizer and help them plant gardens. The kids really give back to the community. What about socializing? It learns kids that are real shy and backward and withdraw to interact with other kids and it helps them come out of their shell. And they learn friendships and they learn good study methods and they learn different parts of the animals. They, they learn farming, learn how to provide their own food and crops. They learn about responsibility, taking care of things. And they learn a lot about nature and their environment. <laughs> the rooster is really talking to us. Too. Yes, they are. <laughs> they get to see where their eggs come from. Yeah, they learn about meat. They learn about cleaning chickens. <laughs> yeah. They learn about uh, cleaning animals. They learn about giving fresh water. Tell me about the livestock auction. How'd it go this morning? It went great. There was a lot of new buyers. A lot of kids were happy. Some were sad seeing their animals go. And it went really smooth. The kids seemed to enjoy themselves. The buyers seemed to enjoy themselves. We had a lot and we had a big turnout. We had uh, free breakfasts for all the buyers and people coming here this morning. 
and the pigs were <laughs> acting good for once. Listen <laughs> to that storm. I hope it gives us some rain. Yeah, I do too. We've been talking with Tyra McCain for the Brown County Hour, and I'm Vera Grubbs, signing off. I say, Pruny, I just saw a very fair queen over there. Oh, Naito, that was our fair queen. Oh. Our own Danielle Ryan. One can always hope that she can reign as long as Queen Elizabeth. And we always knew that the Americans absolutely love royalty. We love our Danielle. Oh, you weren't talking about the band queen then. Here we are alive with the Brown County Fair Queen. What's your name? Danielle Ryan. Danielle Ryan, congratulations. Thank you. Are you uh, I'm you sister. 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 Yes. Uh-huh. Were you in the competition? I was. I was 2009 Fair Queen. Oh, yeah. Yes. Great. Congratulations. <laughs> she did great. All yeah. the girls did. Yeah. They have a beautiful and very interesting array of chickens. We've got Polish Madisons, or some kind of Japanese chicken. Hi. Oh, that's great. Tell me what your name is again. Denise Broussard. Denise Broussard. And, um... I'm the leader of the poultry, and I'm on council, uh-huh. and I'm the uh, Farm Bureau's woman's leader. So, and how long have you been involved with the fair? I was in fair when I was a teenager. I was only in it about three years. My son, which is 15, he's on his seventh year. He's going for his tenure. He's almost an Eagle Scout. He has one more merit badge when he's done. Right. <laughs> um. My son does chickens, cows. He's got three cows, two pigs, and three goats. And we raised our first goats this year. Oh, nice. So we had triplets. We lost one. Our goats, every once in a while, will even come in the house if they can squeeze themselves Uh in. Yeah. I came in one day, and they were sitting and watching TV. (laughs) The baby was. Hi. Yeah. My kids have kind of gotten into um, producing (laughs) eggs. We've got a couple that are going for the ornamental. I mean, the jackal is an ornamental because of the feet. Where do you buy your feed? Our feed comes from um, Morgan County Feed. We try to stay away from the corn base. You can have some corn, but with our white chickens, it makes their feathers yellow. If you don't mind, if you have yellow chickens. If you don't mind, but on the show chickens, that kind of keeps them... So putting in yeah. a suet feeder would help. It's good form, actually. It's really good form. It's fat. It's fat, and it makes their Quick energy and heat. And their feathers look really nice. I think it's the same chip. with the way to make their feathers like our black ones. <laughs> we have a nylon. We put them in. You start from the head, and you just shove them through it, and it'll make their feathers just shine. Wow. You take a. A pair of pantyhose and shove them through the nylon. <laughs> you do. It's a way of flushing them. Sort of. It brings something in the nylons. So will bring all the orals of the feathers right out. What a trick. <laughs> like now our big, big chickens, we just take the nylons and run them down the feathers. Because you can't kind of put those through them. But these little guys, we just stick them in. <laughs> Funny. Funny. Yeah. Anyway, I'll just...
So this has been Janice Pierce and Vera Grubb at the Brown County Fair collecting animal sounds for the radio show. <laughs> and some people sounds. And some people sounds. Speaking of bands, let's saunter on over to where the bands are congregating and hear some of that fine music. Boy, I'm up for little Glenn Miller, you know. Absolutely. Thank you. 
And now, station identification. Say, Ramsbottom, want to go and check out the drag racing? Well, I do believe that there's a demolition derby taking place just right over on the other side of that fence that you and I can go enjoy, if that's what you're referring to as far as the drag racing. Well, I, I believe so. Is that uh, where you Americans smash things up? You mean like the economy? Absolutely. Well, of course, then that is exactly what we're talking about. We drive it around in circles until it no longer functions, and then we dump it alongside the road, just like the economy. Perfect. I have to say that I really understood that that's why the American Red Cross does their blood drive mobile. I thought they were picking up all the blood off the demolition track. Tonight in the grandstands, we have one of the most popular events, the Demolition Derby. This is Bruce and George at the Brown County 4-H Fair. The main event starts in about an hour. In the pits, the mechanics and drivers are getting the cars ready. After getting a good look at the entries, it seems that we have two groups forming, the more modified car and the more stock class. Richard's Mercury has been prepared in stock cream. The windows removed, interior taken out, all but one seat. The gas tank is where the back seat used to be, and it has been bolted to the floor. A steel bar welded between the door posts to keep Richard safe. Wheels and tires are street stock, and under the hood, not much change. Richard has cut holes in the hood to let the heat out. He also put a nice green paint job on the car. Uh, that is until the morning dew caused half the paint to slide off, leaving kind of a tie-dye look. Very nice. Robert's 1978 Buick has been completely stripped down to the body in front. Then, with very thick wire, he has tied the doors, trunk, grill, and so on, so as to not come apart and become stronger or more reliable than welds. Robert had used very large bolts to secure the hood, and the frame has square tubing welded to reinforce and to keep him safe. A set of truck wheels and tires, and well-built engine, and he's ready to go. We stopped to talk to some of the lawnmower derby mowers. These are riding mowers minus the mower deck. Dalton and Chris have brought a couple of entries. Chris is driving a blue and white Murray with safety bars welded to the side to keep his legs safe. And Chris has a blue, uh, we think it's a Sears. Looking at the lawnmowers with the mower decks removed, I was taken back to Georgetown Road, where my brother and I found an old mower in the junk pile, and we pushed the lawnmower back down the road to home. 
We soon went to work on so red light, getting it ready to raise and a mower that we had drug home for my brother with this new paint job. It became a Blue Max. Now when we got off the school bus, it was straight to the barn to get the machines right. Put on the stickers, the straight exhaust, and the race was on. I can still remember those days. Blue Max had a steering wheel, but my Red Lightning, well, I had more of a tiller. A piece of pipe welded to the steering and bent back to the seat. Um, it was okay until you slid off when you pull a wheel. Yeah. It's just an hour uh, uh, back to the demolition derby. The grandstands is starting to fill up. As we talked to William, driving a well-prepared car, his modifications went beyond Richard's green machine and Robert's Buick, well-fortified with 355 strong engine and heavy-duty axle and wheels. The sport of demolition derby can be dangerous and very competitive, and most of the drivers and crew take things quite seriously. Now that all the cars have arrived, the question of who competes against who. A few have loaded their cars back on the trailer, refusing to run with another class of car. Well, it's close to 7 o'clock start time, so we're headed for the pits, which looks quite full. Well, it's close to the 7 o'clock start time, so we're headed for the grandstands, which look quite full. Looking to the pits, we see what looks like a large driver's meeting. It's uh, now 10 after, and it seems to be quite a meeting, uh, but no cars. Well, time to eat the hot dog. So, Prunella, would you like to go see the arts and crafts? The arts and crafts would be absolutely lovely to go see because it gives me a good sense of the Brown County culture. And perhaps we'd be interested to see the uh, art of sewing of the socks for the llamas and the angora rabbits that perhaps you do here as a normal form of arts and crafts. This may explain why llama socks are $322 a pair. Hence why your economy perhaps is a little skewy. It could well be because socks for $327 is not the same as a loaf of bread for $4 billion. Hey, you know what, uh, Ramsbottom? I just saw Alpaca over there. How's he doing? Alpaca's a fine young man. He played for LSU, if I do remember correctly. He was a wide, tight end. Or oh, maybe he was a tight, wide end. I couldn't really tell you, but he was certainly playing on the team at some point in the game. This is Vera Grafts with the Brown County Hour and WFHB. I'm in the Arts and Crafts building of the Brown County Fair. This is called Open Class. Open Class. And I'm talking to whom? My name is Teresa Zimnowoto. Yes. And I belong to the Homemakers uh, Extension Group, and I also belong to the Herb Society. What do you think of the fair this year? I think it, I think a lot of people entered. Uh, I, I really promote the open class because I came from Northwest Indiana, so I, I used to do it back home, and um, I'm glad that, you know, our... Um, our residents uh, in the in you know all of our county that we put things in and uh, I mean besides being really hot I think <laughs> I think, I think, that's think the it's driving good. force this yeah, year yeah 
I'm glad that people participate in it, and also uh, my girls were all in 4-H for 10 years back home, so when they were growing up, so I am a big fan of of the fair and um, and also 4-H and also open class. Yeah, they do. Would you say there wouldn't be a fair if it weren't for 4-H? I think out in the country, I think for, I think 4-H is um, is big for the country kids and for the rural, you know, and then but then also city, it's more like Girl Scouts, Boy Scouts, that kind uh, of stuff. Yeah. But I think the fair, I think it teaches them a lot of uh, a lot a lot of life life things, you know. Like I mean, growing up, I mean, it's a lot of the basic things: uh, taking care of animals, uh, sewing, uh, uh, cooking, um, photography, uh, art. I mean, there's so many things that. For, to grow up with that is a lot of good wholesome things for kids to learn how to do and um, outside activities also instead of you know sitting in front of a video game I think this is a lot more you have to use your creativity and um, also um, it's it just helps you grow I think it makes you a better better person because you're 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 turning you're it's a kind of like more um, uh, a well-rounded person yes and we know how special Brown County is, so fair, extra special to us all. It is. You know, this is a small town, but you know what? I think everybody looks forward to it every year. Yeah. Thank you very much. Okay. Enjoy Thank talking you. to you. Thank Hello. Hi. My name is Vera. I'm with the Brown County Hour, the radio show, mm-hmm. through WFHB in Bloomington. I think I've heard it. Let me give you a card. How are you enjoying the fair this year? I'm enjoying it. Did you come last year? Yeah, my daughter's in 4-H, so... Oh, that's yeah. important thing. Yeah. Oh, these are all the champions? These were the ones that were sent to the state fair. The project, oh. so they took a picture of their project. You can find a full listing of the local arts and craft winners in the Democrat newspaper. This has been Vera Grubbs for WFHB and the Brown County Hour.
Well, say there, gang, how about we stop over to see some square dancing from the Buxom Doze? Rammy, Rammy, that's Bucks and Doze. Lord have mercy, I had my hopes up for no reason at all. Oh, That'll be just fine. We'll be happy to see them dance. Dancing deer? Splendid! Good deer, good lord. No deers or no animals have been dancing since Captain Kangaroo. But just as many times I've found that it's not true. So if you have had your fun, but now the man swing your own from the Bucks and Doe Square dancers, but I believe watching those people move around in that way has built me up a powerful appetite. I would like very much to stop over to the Beans and Cornbread booth and just get some good local fare. Now, I say, these beans, are these uh, baked beans like uh, we have for breakfast over in the old country? Not precisely. These would be more like Johnny Beans and Navy Beans or Bean Beans. I believe they're all beans. Ah, the musical fruit. (laughs) 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 The more you eat. (laughs) Excellent idea. I'm ready for some fuel, you know. Bean Supper brought to you by Brown County Natural Gas. And now, station identification.
let's go over to the uh, pie contest where I'm sure we'll be able to partake of some steak and kidney pie whilst the gentlemen here do the bean dinner. I do believe there was some controversy in the pie contest in that the bottom crust was artificially reinforced for the contest, and, and, I, and I do believe there might have been some disqualifications in the pie contest. Is that correct? No, Rammy, no, Rammy. That's not the pies. That's the demolition derby. Oh, well, that's, that's good to know because we were just about to disqualify all the pies from Shelbyville. This is Pam Rader with WFHB's Brown County Hour. I'm so pleased to finally be able to interview Elizabeth Domont after eating so many of her good pies at Calzone Jones. Thanks for talking with me today, Elizabeth. Thank you. It's my pleasure, and I'm happy to be here in the Brown County Hour recording studio with you. Well, Elizabeth, I have to say, your reputation precedes you. I knew you'd won many previous fair contests and moved up to judge last year. But when I called to inquire whether you were a judge again this year, I was told it didn't matter what kind of pie she made. As soon as the judges tasted her crust, she was a winner, and she would win every category she entered. So tell me, is the secret of a good pie the crust? Well, the, in my opinion, the crust is part of a good pie. Um, the other parts are the filling flavor, how it tastes, and the texture of the filling, if it's runny when you cut into it or if it's nice and solid when you cut into it. And also the overall appearance of the pie is important. Are you willing to share any tips on making a good pie? Yes. Well, not really tips. In my opinion, the secret of a good pie is one that is made with good fruit, quality ingredients, and mostly lots of love. Ah, that's a good recipe. I understand there are many categories of pies that you can enter at the fair, and then they have an overall winner. Is that right? Yes, that's true. Um, the grand champion this year was a young 4-H'er, and her name was Erica Teal. She won this year with her sour cherry pie. I think she won because, the obviously, the three judges thought she had the best pie. She must have left a good lasting impression on them. May the best baker win. Exactly. <laughs> and I was happy that it was a young girl because we need more young people baking pies. And then runner-up was Carol Connor? Yes, Carol Connor won of the Muddy Boots, and she entered last year and won some blue ribbons, and she also won two other blue ribbons. Her desserts are awesome, Yes, too. <laughs> yes. And she means business when she brings those pies in. She's got a look on her face as she means business. So you taught a class prior to the fair, and I heard it was a big success. Will you be teaching any again in the future? Possibly next year, yes, when the fair comes up, or maybe we might get someone else to teach something. That sounds like a good mm-hmm. idea. Spread it around. Yeah. You told me earlier you were entering the state fair. Yes, that's true. And you've entered in the past? Yes, I have um, probably for the past six or seven years. This year, the contest is coming up on this coming Saturday, and I'm planning to enter 14 to 16 pies, and they'll all be different kinds of fruits, like cherry, apple, pecan, grape, apricot, strawberry, blackberry, and multiple berry. So I'm really in pie mode right now. 
That sounds like a lot of work. It's a lot of work. And especially in this heat. Yes, and it's not a cheap hobby either. (laughs) (laughs) I went to the grocery store yesterday, and I I couldn't believe how much money I spent. (laughs) You almost need your own orchard. (laughs) Yes. Well, thank you for representing Brown County in the State Fair, and good luck. Well, thank you. Thank you for entering. Is there anything else you'd like to add? Well, yes. Um, Everyone, just eat more pie. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. You know that in an election year, the politicians automatically seem to migrate to the fair. Well, I have to say it must look like Hyde Park right now on the soapboxes. I do believe there's a couple over there having a discussion. Hello, this is Rick Fettig with the Brown County Hour and WFHB, and I'm here at the Brown County Fair. We're having a good old time. and Over here they uh, expect the politicians to all spend a certain amount of time here, so uh, I've run across one right now, Mr. Tim White. Hello, Tim. How you doing? How you doing, Rick? Nice good to, to see you. you. You have a good time? Yeah, yeah, I am. It's a great time. Food's great, isn't it? So tell us what it is you're running for. I'll be running for mayor of Nashville this year, and uh, hope to get all the votes I can. That's why oh, I'm yeah. out here. Going to meet a lot of people. Mayor, aren't, aren't we a, a town and have a town council? Well, we do, but I've, I've got a vision this year that I think is going to uh, kind of go over the top and... You're going to bump things up a notch, bump, huh? You've got to do a little bit of bumping. <laughs> well, that's good to see. Hey, um, well, there's one thing that's been troubling me. I keep hearing about it, and I just can't figure it out for the life of me. So I've been hearing a lot about this some-sex marriage. Some-sex marriage. Yeah, some-sex. It sound, sound, sounds like sounds familiar. But... Yeah, it sounds like one side doesn't like some-sex, so I guess they don't like sex. And the other guys say that some-sex is okay, so I guess they're all right with it, but... I mean, I thought that's the reason you got married was to have some sex. Well, it's, that's <laughs> kind of my beliefs too. Yeah. But uh, but um, I heard that that there was one group that went so far as to say that that you couldn't have sex standing up. Have you ever heard anything like that? You couldn't have sex standing up. Never heard no. of that. Yeah, no, they was huh? they was afraid you'd start dancing. <laughs> afraid it might lead to dancing. <laughs> Rick, are you sure you're not talking about same sex? Same sex. Yeah. What do you mean same sex? Some sex mean, same, same sex marriage. I think you're. I think you're a little confused on it. Same bit. sex. You mean we have to have it the same way every time? Well, who'd, who'd want to do that? No. <laughs> Boy, you're getting really personal. You're, you're, you're not. <laughs> I think this might come up with some of my voters. And <laughs> you're not really saying that everybody has to do it the same way all the time, are you? It's not like well, a national I, issue. That's just between me and crazy. you. I would hope not, but. Uh, <laughs> Well, anyway, well, if you learn any more about it, let me know. I'll get back. Can I get back with you on that? Yeah. I'll get my people to get back with you. All right, thanks, Tim. Congratulations. Have a good time. I guess we'll have to write you in on that ballot, won't we? All right. We'll see you at the voters' box. All right, bye. Bye. Brunella, it's been so lovely having you and Nigel here. There's nothing like the Brown County Fair in England, I'm quite sure. It's been lovely, and I thank you for your hospitality and showing us the Brown County culture that I must say I have so enjoyed. Well, I I concur with old Pruny there. Absolutely wonderful, Ramsbottom. Thank you for your hospitality, and uh, I wish it wasn't so damn hot here. 
But uh, I hope we can come back in the fall, you know, which probably be next week. On behalf of my lovely wife, Pearlie, I would like to thank you folks for coming all the way across the Great Pond to visit us and spend time with us here at the Brown County Fair. We hope you'll visit us in the fall and come back and see us in October to enjoy the lovely foliage. And don't forget, the possibilities are endless. And now Gunther Flum tells about his experience being a pie judge. Prize, Pies, and Lies by Gunther Flum. Brown County has its county fair, and I admit I'm always there to be a judge for man or beast because they say I cheat the least. Because to be a county judge, it means at times you got a fudge for if an entry is your wife, one wrong vote can change your life. Since I ain't married, I don't care. That's why they claim I judge them fair. But there's one job I wanted much, yet it was one most wouldn't touch. For every judge who dares to try it often starts a county riot. Is all year long we have this feud on how this one gal bakes her food. And then some judge forgets and tries to call it fair when judging pies, as just one bite was all they ate to make their choice and seal their fate. You see, that gal will always win. She beats her friends and next to kin because the contest has a curse. They say the money in her purse seems to guarantee she buys third and second and first place prize. At least that's what some folks will claim is the reason for her fame. And so this year, it was my luck as other judges passed the buck that I became the one to judge the cakes and cookies, pies and fudge, a dream I'd had since in my youth. But now I face the ugly truth that in our county they told lies about what's in them winning pies. For even though her crust was thin, by my default she got her win. Since as the judge I dare not try her poison ivy, roadkill pie. I'm dumb, but I ain't stupid. Transmission protector cars. This is Bruce and George. We have decided to head back to the pits to get the scoop. Now the loudspeaker has announced that we will have two classes tonight. The less modified, followed by the transmission protector class. Uh, and this seems to be agreeable, and the engines are fine. But first, the lawnmowers will open the show. Dalton and Chris are ready and excited to get into the ring. Gladiators up against some tough competition. From out of town, some well-armored, well-prepared machines. John, Reddy, and Kyle with 12 horsepower and helmet head out to the ring. About a dozen in all. You hear a three, two, one from the crowd. Driving in the dirt looks hard enough, but when the other guy is ramming you, it was a fight to the last more run. One by one they fell. The wheel, axle, stalled motor, they fight. We had a win. One of John's entries. The Bobcat tractors scoop up the carny and head back to the pits. Chris has a broken axle, bent wheels, and a very exciting 20 minutes. Now the big game. Motors roll. Mostly 350 Chevy small blocks. Smoking and snarling, they head to the arena. We sit with crews, they seem they seem a little more concerned about their bodies and cars. As the grandstands is heating up, it is full and exciting. Here are three, two, one, and a dozen engines with headers open and a great roar of power as they scatter and go after their opponent. All of the cars have a flag that if up means alive, and if the driver lowers his flag, he's done. 
Richard is out with drivetrain trouble, but Robert is going strong. There's smoke, steam, flame, sparks, and one car tears after another. Three cars still running, and two seem to be stuck. It's over. The flags are down. Quiet. Robert is back in the pits with a third-place trophy and a sledgehammer in one hand. He's getting the bodywork away from the wheels. He's getting ready for the second heat. But he has a problem. The welds are broken on the front suspension. For more reason, the frame has broken under the driver's seat, making the car ride low enough to drag the ground. Announcement. Any lawnmowers that want to run for prize money head to the arena. John and a few others drive by. Chris and Dalton frantically go for their mower. As Dalton jumps onto the trailer, he hits the jack, and the long handle comes up and hits him in the head. Excited, he pays it no attention. But an observant sheriff's deputy came over to check on the young man. He seems okay. Meanwhile, Chris has a hammer and is pounding on the front wheel. Running out of time, he heads out to the arena. Chris gets within 15 feet, and the other wheel falls off. His evening's done. Time to run the last heavy-duty cars. The bodywork pre-matched from previous derbies. The engine's well-tuned, and room to open them up. The adults we talk to remember their first demolition derby, and the kids won't forget the sound, smoke, steam, flames anytime soon. There's just something that fills the grandstands with kids of all ages. All of the ones. Thanks go out to the fair workers, king of the derby, all of our firefighters standing at the ready, the sheriff's department, and all the folks that make this event safe. This is Bruce and George signing off.
Well, folks, that's our wrap-up of the 2012 Brown County Fair. We'd like to take a moment to thank the bands who graciously let us record their live performances at the fair for this episode of the Brown County Hour. Shelf Life, the Mount Moriah Band, the Hamilton Creek Bluegrass Band, and the Bucks and Does Square Dancers. The Brown County Hour is produced by volunteers. This episode's crew includes Bruce Clegg and George Clegg, Rick Fettig, Gunther Flom, Vera Grubbs, Tyra McCain, Janice Pierce, and Pam Rader. We want to thank our guest hosts, Lee Edgren, Fenella Flynn, Frank Jones, and Jeff Thompson, and all the other voices who made this show possible. Managing producer is Pam Rader, technical producer and webmaster Jeff Foster, executive producer Chad Carruthers. Thanks, Slats Klug, for your wonderful music. To listen to this episode or any previous ones, visit browncountyhour.com or wfhb.org. We always welcome new volunteers. Tune in October 20th for the Brown County Hour, episode 13. Thanks for joining us and have a good evening. You've been listening to the Brown County Hour. Coming to you from deep in the woods of Brown County, Indiana. Celebrating the arts, culture, and nature that make this such a unique community. Visit us online at browncountyhour.com. The Brown County Hour is a production of WFHB. Volunteer-powered, listener-supported community radio for South Central Indiana. Take me back, back to my home. Brown County home.